Welcome to Peds in a Podcast, where our team of specialists shares with you tips on all things health and development for your little ones. My name is Leanne Tran, and I'm one of the psychologists here at Peds in a Pod. Did you know play is one of the foundational areas of development that can help your child be ready for school? Today we're joined by speech and language pathologist Joanne Stephen, who explains the importance of play and how to encourage it at home. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us today, Joanne. Um, We have talked to uh, Sarah Nicholas before, one Mm -hmm. of our other speech pathologists, about the importance of um, I guess she was talking about developing communication and how important play is in that. Yeah. She talks a lot about play, though, as um, a more core kind of important area of development. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a bit about how kids develop play and why it is so important? I think for me, like when we look at play, it's um, it's facilitating language through play and at that younger age bracket of children, a lot of things is done through play. You right. learn, you experience life, you develop your emotions, happy, sad, and that's through a very natural play type of environment mm. because they're not going to sit at the table with you when they're two or three to learn how to play, you yeah, know? Right. And it's a lot of like maybe child-led type of play. Okay. Um, and that's where, you know, we kind of encourage the parents to look at what the children's interests are joining them with their interests but also teaching them kind of what it means to join in with play when the parents are engaging with something else and I think that's one area we sometimes see children struggle with like they sometimes can be quite reliant on parents kind of joining in with them but then the reverse is quite a challenge because they may not have the language they may not have the interests or they just may not know how to do it but if you think about that in maybe a preschool or a kindy context Mm -hmm. children just joining quite naturally so I think as part of the therapy that I deliver I also teach parents how to facilitate that in a structured manner just to give them the skills the language skills to join and play sustain play for a little bit um, you know, have engaging cooperative play together with adults and hoping that that would translate to the kindy setting through developing play skills around quite typical play sets like, you know, dinosaurs, mm-hmm. train tracks, maybe some, you know, simple Lego sets yep. so that these are familiar things that the children would, you know, quite quite naturally engage with right. in their natural environments. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I'm going to come back to that a little bit because yeah. I think um, what you mentioned is important about that, that children learn through play. Mm-hmm. I guess if we asked an occupational therapist, they'd kind of say that's the job of a child, isn't it, to yeah. play. Yeah. And that's what they learn through mm-hmm. all communication, mm-hmm. fine motor. And I guess mm-hmm. from a psychology point of view too, it's often how they might learn um, managing emotions and... Negotiating. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And and those social skills of yeah. engaging with others. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about um, child-led play mm. and then also encourage or helping with parents know how to um, teach or encourage their kids to join in play that others are doing. Mm. Can you kind of explain what that looks like for... Um, for parents who might not know, so they know how to kind of do that at home. If we start with child-led play, how, how would a parent do that? 
Yeah. So say, for example, the child picks up some train tracks and mm-hmm. starts building the train tracks. I would encourage the parents to intrude in their play in a gentle manner okay. by maybe suggesting in a play sequence, maybe doing different things. Um, because what we want to encourage is also kind of creativity within the play sets, which sometimes our children may struggle with being creative, developing a new play set from them. Mm-hmm. From that, sometimes I use a like you know different visual pictures to say, oh, maybe today the train is going to school. Right. You know, who can we put on the train? Where are they going? And from that, extend the play to let's go to school and have a little kind of school setup. Yeah, or another sure. time, I could go let's go to the park or you know go visit the zoo, and then the animals will come along. So that's how I, as an adult, try to include myself in play. Yeah. I'm following their lead and their interests, but mm. I'm also adding an additional kind of. Mm, a, di- a different perspective of what else you could do with your play, right? Mm. So you're looking at what they're interested in and starting there, yeah, and, and then developing it further. I yeah. guess mm. is that kind of um, a different way to doing it than kind of bringing a toy to them and trying to start something that yeah. they may or may not be interested in, or they haven't started themselves. Yeah. So I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pair my new kind of activity or new idea around their play set with something that's already of interest. Yeah. So it's not like I'm introducing something totally foreign to them. Yes. But I'm okay. putting, um, I'm using the value of what they're interested in. Yeah. And kind of feeding that onto what. I would like to introduce. Yeah. So that's where I do quite systematic pairing of a new activity or a foreign activity with something they actually like. Yes. Um, and that increases, I'm hoping that that would increase the value of the new activity. Yeah. Because, you know, they naturally wouldn't have gravitated towards maybe animals. So how do I bridge that gap? Yeah, sure. So I'm just kind of like doing more within their play. Yes, that makes sense. I think we all know if you try and get a toddler to do something they're not nah. interested in. <laughs> It's going to be hard. Yeah, yeah. You don't have much success. Um, Okay, so that's really helpful, I think, because then that that kind of explains for parents how they can kind of do that Mm. at home as well and and find the interest but then also extend the play. You mentioned about um, helping parents to, um, I guess, give their kids some ways that they can or skills to join in Mm. other play with other kids Mm. can you tell us a bit more about that so typically in in my clinic sessions what I sometimes do is I don't have any play activities out okay I make it quite awkward okay but it's also to facilitate the fact that you know the child can ask me Joe what we doing gonna do next yes okay you know what's available I was like oh that's a great question let's have a look we've got all of these options you know and then sometimes after playing with their favorite toy I might just turn my back quite obviously um and go and engage in a different toy and that's where I'm expecting them to go hey Joe I still want to play some more or Joe I'm going to follow you and play with whatever toy you're engaging with so I'm quite selective with the type of toys I also select for those instances when I'm teaching the children how to enter play maintain play and exit out of play Mm, okay. um, and generally all of those play sets require a second person right so that the child is kind of like oh, no one's playing with me this is boring right. w- where is she because yep. sometimes we find that you know when you introduce a play activity that the child is quite engaged in they don't really care about you know whether you're looking at them or playing with them so I need to make it quite obvious that I'm like I'm no longer around you know yes. you have to be looking around and see 
you know, where is Joe? What's she doing? Maybe I need to join her. And what I'm trying to do is to mimic some of this possible play um, type of scenarios in kindy. Yeah. Because kids do move around through activities quite quickly. Yeah. And I'm trying to increase their awareness that, hey, you know, playing with someone else is so much more fun than me playing on my own. So I need to be quite observant and look around and go with my friend. Yeah. So I do it in quite a natural or a gentle manner where sometimes it's my choice, sometimes I give them a choice. Yeah. So that's how I manage those mm, yeah, kind okay. of learning skills. Okay, that's great. Mm. Um, because I, I do find that parents often talk to me about how their child might be really happy playing on their own. Mm. Um, but sometimes it's that they don't um, really, sorry, I was thinking when they are happy playing on their own, mm. maybe a tip for parents then is to think about those types of games and activities that require two people yeah. to encourage those skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it sounds like that's what sometimes maybe kids don't have the skills mm. either to know how to join in or yeah. to um, yeah. move on to a different yeah. activity. Yeah. So I guess if you look at the skills that are required to do that, the first step would be I need to be observant enough to understand that, oh, my friend's moved on or the adult has moved on. The second phase would be I need the language to mm-hmm. join in play. Yeah, And when I'm teaching the language, I'm also quite cautious around, you know, what kind of language I'm providing as a model. Right. Because I don't want their peers to turn around and say no. Right. So if you ask, can I play? The yes. answer could be yes or no. Yeah. Okay. So what I'll do is that I would just give them the language and model as in, I'm coming to play. Right. Let's go play. Yeah. So I'm not giving them kind of their peers any chance to say no to them because I think especially with a child that's emerging with that skill we need to be more supportive especially in the initial phases Um, and then negotiating and all that can take place later when they understand and appreciate playing with someone else yeah you kind of want to set it up to be successful Mm. first off don't you so they get the experience and that kind of thing yeah so um that's that's really useful I think for parents to know how to do it um Can you tell us a bit about why it's important? So I think because you work a lot with kids before um, school age, Mm -hmm. often parents can, um, or even sometimes, you know, daycare providers Mm -hmm. kind of focusing on the literacy and the numeracy Mm -hmm. for school. But play is pretty important. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us why? Like for me, if you look at play, I think it's a stepping stone towards friendship. Right. You develop interests. Yeah. And then, you know, you start commenting and you start maintaining those conversations from a language perspective. Mm. I think, you know, to understand that there is a need to have a common interest with my peer is really important. Right. And that's why I need to be aware of what's going on. I need to be able to join in. And that's where friendships start. Because then at the end of the day, when you pick your child up, you go like, who did you play with? What did you play? You know, and that's where more conversations can come up, you know. Yeah just from one play activity. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why like, we kind of emphasise that there needs to be that skill development yes. to develop further social skills. Yeah, mm. that's true. And when you say social skills, it makes me think about how there is um, a lot of group work often in yeah. prep and grade one yeah. as well. So while it's not play, mm-hmm. um, that ability to join in yeah. with the group and pay attention to what um, the other kids are doing mm. so that you can 
join and negotiate mm. would be important as well. And I think what I'm trying to do as well is to teach them a coping mechanism in the event when the teacher says something or they miss an instruction, they can yeah. look around, observe what their friends are doing right. and just copy. Yep. So it's all about being very aware of their environment yes. instead of being focused on one activity. Yeah, sure. Mm. Okay, great. Yeah. So... Um, what do you have any kind of top tips that you would give parents in terms of you know which parts of play are important or how to encourage them at home? Mm, I I guess what for me when I look at play, I encourage parents to do a 50-50 type of balance. Okay. You know, 50% of the time I, you know, allow the child to play with what their interests, what their likes are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other 50% of the time as an adult, I would want to extend the child's play. Right. And that has to be done with quite um, significant planning. Right. Because I need to make sure that the materials are around. You know, I know what I'm going to do. The weather, like, you know, now that summer's coming up, you know, um, water play. That might be something to extend. Maybe my child loves, um, you know, water animals and like, you know, under the sea creatures Mm. in maybe a play set in in the inside environment. How can I extend it to the outside environment? You know, what else can I do? Um, because like, you know, over the Christmas break, like, you know, I might want to have friends over. I'm just developing different play sets so that yep. I can also facilitate that. Yeah. Mm. Right. Okay. That's good to know because it's, it's, there's so much to remember being a parent. So yeah. if we can keep in mind that it's about mm-hmm. 50-50 with what they're interested in, so that yeah. child's interest and then the other part mm-hmm. we're leading and ex- or extending. And, yeah. What I do encourage parents to also kind of consider is I know during the week, People are quite busy, mm. um, you know, having to get the meals on the table, you know, homework done, laundry, everything else. But having to think about on the weekends, perhaps, you know, allocating half an hour, um, yeah. you know, on a Saturday and on a Sunday. I think that's a realistic goal. I think also setting realistic goals for yourself yes. just so that you know, oh, every weekend I'm going to spend half an hour playing Play-Doh yes. or Legos or whatever else. And sometimes it can get quite challenging when you have siblings as well. Yeah. So perhaps considering, you know, one parent brings one of the siblings out for a coffee date or a chocolate date or whatever else so you have one-on-one time with the younger sibling or the older sibling so I think it's just being strategic um, with your use of time and how you want to organize some of these play sessions would be crucial to you know success yeah Mm -hmm. so it doesn't have to be a long time but if you can fit it in your routine and plan for it it's more likely to work out and I think that's where I find parents have the most success. A lot of them use the bath time as a nice play routine. Um, Sometimes just before bedtime, they may have a storybook time. And then I try to incorporate maybe puppets or, you know, other animals through it. I think doing doing it that manner doesn't seem like a task. It's just being embedded into your day. Yeah, sure. So it just becomes, you know, part of of what you do. Yeah, part Mm. of the routine. Okay, great. Thanks so much for joining us today and providing all of these uh, insights and tips. No worries. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Peds in a Podcast. If you found listening to us useful, we have plenty of resources on our website, including blogs, articles and videos. If there's a topic not covered that you'd love to hear about, you can get in touch with us on our website visit us at peedsinapod.com.au.